This is the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast, built by outdoorsmen for outdoorsmen, presented by Herod Outdoors and Max Luer. Top line. Top line just got this. Yes, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was my fit. There we go. Oh, he does it again. All right. Ooh, welcome back to another episode of the We Are Outdoorsmen podcast presented by Harry Outdoors oh. and Max Lure. I'm Britton and joined as always is Bobby. What? Yeah, there's Bobby, and then uh, do you have a call or something you want to introduce yourself with, Richie? <laughs> no, I should have grabbed the four-play turkey call, but he's hogging that, too. Yeah. Yeah, so Bobby calls me on the way to uh, do a podcast this morning, and he's like, I brought everything. He did. So he, He's got it all. He's got every sound in the box. <laughs> he's got the turkey call. He's got duck calls. Jeez. Oh. It is hunting season, so this is unfortunately loud um i woke up to the sounds of shotguns that's a beautiful sound that is good yeah this time of the year it's a great uh, alarm clock i don't even set alarm clock anymore as a at-home worker but uh <laughs> about first light first light this morning was at 651 mm-hmm. <laughs> heard about uh four now for uh little pockets of shotguns going off so they must be killing the birds down there it's good. Thin, thinning the ducks out. You got to you gotta thin yep. them out, man. They can eat all the little kids at the bus stop if they get too many. <laughs> they get to be too many. I did see that the school bus did come by, so uh, they're protecting the kiddos in the <laughs> neighborhood. We have protecting a guest on today's show, Rick Brazel, the First Hunt Foundation. Um, he's located over in Idaho. And uh, call it kind of let Richie explain a little bit what he's going to be talking about and what that foundation's about. It's kind of interesting because Rick and I actually work together. He was a. I was gonna say, I, I, yeah, I thought you guys worked. We did, and he was a, a force supervisor. Yeah, he's he's originally from somewhere in the south. I, I kind of forget exactly, but he still got his southern accent, which is awesome. <laughs> and he uh, came to here up here, the Okanagan Wenatchee National Forest, and was an interim force supervisor for a while during fire season one year. So I got to know him then. He's re- been retired for quite a while, like I have been, and and. Uh, I, I met him at a sportsman show, and he was in a booth. And I'm like, what the heck? And he goes, well, this is what I did in my retirement. And I started this foundation, and their whole goal is to get primarily youth, but people out for their first hunt and get people involved in hunting. Well, is it like uh, veterans, youth, yes. things like that? Yeah, and they actually have, uh, and for women. Okay. So they have like kind of, uh, I don't know if you, they have chapters in each state, and then they have these programs or um, these emphasis areas some is youth some is veterans some is women and uh, mm-hmm. when you go to their website firsthuntfoundation.org you'll be able to see you know exactly what I'm talking about in the bar there's there's several sure tabs that you can click on to see what the emphasis areas are but uh, yeah it's a great conversation I think you all really enjoy it good so that's what we'll maybe be... it could take me out on a hunt <laughs> yeah I don't think you qualify you will qualify. My first cougar hunt. Yeah. Yeah, well, okay. it could be. Okay, Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, actually do have a uh, hunting trip coming up next week. You guys have been doing hunting. We're going to go shoot some birds next week. Yeah. Yeah. Or two weeks from now, I guess. Two weeks. You guys are? Yeah. Where are you going? Yeah, we're going to we're gonna go out to potholes and go shoot birds with uh, Shelby. Oh, you are? Yeah. Huh. I didn't get invited. <laughs> this this was a uh, Dwayne thing. For, oh, you're doing something with Dwayne. Okay, that's fine. Sponsors, I got it. Yeah, yeah. I I did a little quail hunting. Did you two days ago? How did you do? I shot five. Good. I'm a little rusty. I can tell you that much. <laughs> you gotta you gotta you gotta go out those uh, first couple times. You know, I I missed a fair amount. I should have had quite a few more. And I actually, uh, you know, I don't have a still don't have a dog. And right towards the end, I dropped two birds, two singles. Got up, boom, boom, and they just almost went to the exact same spot. And I went over and I picked up the first one. You think I could find that second bird? Oh no. I mean, there were feathers. I could find feathers. <laughs> I, I couldn't find that bird to save my life. I'll I tell mean, you what. I looked and looked and looked. 
finding and it. And I know I dumped it. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like a runner. I did have one of those earlier in the day, but. Yeah. Yeah. Without snow on the ground, finding it's coil tough. in sagebrush and bitterbrush. Oh, yeah. Poor. Well, see, out there, I was out near Banks Lake, and um, there's a bunch of greasewood, and the greasewood was, like, yeah. head high. Yeah. And that stuff is nasty, you know. You oh, sure. scrape the crap out of you. <laughs> anyway, yeah, I did a little bit of that, and I think it's a good place to probably try to take Dad. My cousin might come over and bring his dogs, and yeah, we might go. But it's that time of year, time to hunt. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you need a dog, though. I know. We do need another dog, but... I'm just on the road too much right now. I, I, we can't have one. Vicky's gone all the time, so well, I got to retire. Got, I got to retire. I've got Colton. Retire, retire. Doesn't that count? Yeah, Col- <laughs> Colton applies. Yeah. <laughs> and they got my special coffee going, Britton. Do you? Yeah. So I actually was able to uh, meet up with Tom Wood at Wood Family Spirits last week, and I was able to acquire some more beverage. Uh, enhancements and <laughs> i have columbia bourbon mixed generously with a keurig cup cup of coffee <laughs> just just straight coffee and whiskey it's nice I've, I've got i also have it in my custom we are outdoorsman special coffee cup yeah which folks can get if they go to the herod outdoors website and they can drink their special coffee in the same cup oh yeah oh yeah Special coffee, baby. Special coffee. <clears throat> That's kind of way mine is. It eliminates it eliminates the stealthiness of drinking a special coffee like in public or something. So it's definitely just for at home because on the side of this cup, <laughs> and you can see it on the website, it literally in bold text just says special coffee. It does. <laughs> well, you got to announce it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. You got to be a man. Yeah. <laughs> announce it. What are you doing this morning? Hair of the dog, baby. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and you guys also uh, have some concoctions mixed I, up? I do, yeah. I have a, I'm kind of like you. got coffee, but I put a little bit of cream and a little bit of honey in mine this morning. Oh, nice. It's good. I've, I've, got, uh, I've got the OG vodka going with the uh, <laughs> special... Uh, edition i can't even remember what it was the the coffee that i had but it, man i'm gonna tell you what it's strong and it's fantastic are you not drinking a harrods cookhouse elk camp roast or fire I, camp I, roast i'm out i'm oh out my why goodness. do you think why do you think i came up here <laughs> we've got out. a whole pot of it when down I, there i know when i went down and i picked up all those seasonings and stuff from you yes um i should have got coffee because you can get those reusable k cups because we don't we oh, just yeah. do the keurig stuff yeah yeah sure and you can fill it up with that well, we'll set you up this next, next time. time. Yeah, we'll set okay, you up. Okay, we, we, we're going to trade coffee. I'm not. <laughs> I'm oh. not bringing none of that down. Here, here we go. I knew that here. was going to happen. I, I told you, Rich. I told you. We would never see. No, I got extra for both of you. Don't worry about it. I don't think that you guys will be getting any of the bourbon, but I do have some of the vodka for you. I need bourbon. I need both. Well, I'm t- <laughs> Well, I've given you a I'm, bottle of that. Yeah. two bottles. Well, I think he's he's trying to get a case for Bobby and I, but we just got to figure out how to get it up here. Yeah. Oh, man. I left my swag. I, I got all sorts of swag, too. I got shot glasses and cups or, you know, uh, you know oh my God. my glasses. Jeez. And then I got like a big tin tacker with the logo. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have yeah. any of that. Yeah. You got any of those, Rich? No. I don't either. I don't have nothing. Well, I live in the area, and I'm just being a good, you know, partner. Yeah, well, that's great. If you guys want to make the trip down and, and come hang out and drink special coffee and do a live podcast down here, I'm more than, more than willing to host you guys. Mm, that'd be kind of fun. We could go shoot them ducks over there. Absolutely. Yeah. That can. might have to be in the car. Or we go shoot the damn blacktail that are running, like, rampant down here because they're <laughs> in the rut. I was literally just pulling down the driveway to the, the farm what last week and there's this little itty bitty buck um with literally like little three inch antlers on each side little pencil horns. and uh yeah that would be a called and a pencil he's on buck. <laughs> he's on one side of the road and this is like literally just go 10 miles an hour down the road i honk at it and it kind of like starts to dart over the middle of the road i'm like no don't go that way and it kind of just wanted to go <laughs> off into the brush i start you know, creeping forward and that thing makes a beeline for my car 
and runs right in front, nearly hits the front of my car, and then runs off into the yeah <laughs> the brush on the other side of the road. Blacktails. I almost got hit. I didn't almost hit one. I almost got hit by a blacktail. Well, yeah. Blacktails don't even know what they're going to do at any given second. Yeah. <laughs> well, and these kind of like roads out here. Yeah, they're they're like whitetails. They, they they really don't know what they're going to do at any given time. So you just have to be ready for anything. <laughs> well, and these roads out here, you know, it's just coming down through all these little, you know, ravines and stuff, and it's all just heavily wooded. Yeah. They're always jumping out yeah. in the middle of the road, and you know, the scam that daylight savings is. Yeah. You know, it's dark by like <laughs> four o'clock now. What a bunch of crap. <laughs> Bobby about had that same experience this yeah. morning. Yeah, <laughs> coming to Richie's when I turned off the road, I start to turn and and there's there's a deer feeding on the side of the road, and all of a sudden it just bolts right out in front of me, like you know, it, it wanted to get hit. It was trying. Up, up in Leavenworth or the <laughs> yeah, yeah. up in Leavenworth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, all our streets are blocked off because of construction down there, and Bobby wasn't sure how to get here. That's why he was yeah running a little late. I'm driving all over Leavenworth. Yeah. You had to go into town and then come up that way. Well, no, there's a way, but he did the right thing. He just felt like he was in the middle of construction because you kind of are. Yeah, yeah. So, you know me. Finally, I got to nothing worse than construction at 630 in the morning. Right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know me. But it sounds like the deer are, you know that game? Well, when I was growing up, there was a game, and it was – buck hunter or whatever and you are the deer and you're hunting the people yeah (laughs) yeah that game was awesome there's a there's a funny twitter account that i follow that uh every single year it's like a deer that they like animate that uh gives like a speech and and talks about how they're gonna you know do better about you know laying down during the day and uh we can pop out and get get all the hunters this year that this is their year (laughs) <laughs> I see, I've seen that. I I thought you were going to say that the game that you used to play that that's like what we've got going on right now was Frogger. Yeah, Frogger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Deer. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what Basically the deer the same, did to but you the, this morning. The deer are equipped with guns. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's some huge bucks in our neighborhood. I mean, some toads. Yeah. One of them is like a six by eight or something. It's huge. Nice. He's not real wide. He's not like your 30-inch buck, but yeah. he's tall, and he's probably, I don't know, in that 25 plus or minus inch range. So so like a 170, 175 he's a, plus. He's a 170 buck easy. Huh. And there might, actually, I think there's two. There's another one that's a little more typical on a little wider. He'd probably even score better, but dang, yeah. there's a couple there's a good bucks in here. Of course, don't, don't in, you have archery season? Yeah, but up? they're not in my unit, of course. Oh, okay. You, oh, that means you just have to drive through the neighborhood faster. I know. <laughs> true, true. I could, could do that. <laughs> drive by. Yeah, they uh, they got across the highway just right over there, about 300 yards, and then they'd be in my unit. But then huh. they got to get somewhere where I could shoot them. Hey, you know, ar- not ar- in the ar- rain, ar- not ar- in the reindeer farm. Yeah, archery at night. <laughs> At night. <laughs> oh, God. That's where we should go is to the reindeer farm. Well, I know. <laughs> should go thin that out before Christmas season. I know. <laughs> you think they would notice if we left a, a blood the, trail over all there? The, all the poor little kids. Where's, where's Rudolph? <laughs> Blitzen. Blitzen. Are there gone. any? Uh, no. Have you seen any big animals up uh, at the cabin? No, nothing huge. There are some. There are some bucks up there. I mean, legal bucks that are decent but there's nothing huge up there a lot of deer though holy cow there's well it's right there's the a ton of deer going on and, there's a and, ton of deer around yeah yeah and everything you know like we said earlier you know everything is is down low right right in town practically pretty much yeah i've got uh a trail camera out and the sagebrush that i'm going to check on thursday and if there's stuff coming by it i'm going to go put up my ground blind and brush it in with a bunch of sagebrush and see if i can put some meat yeah, in the so freezer. you have you have a late archery late archery coming up starting very soon and so your plan is to go up there and hunt well we'll we'll hunt both places probably we'll we'll uh chris yeah. and i are gonna my son-in-law chris and i hunt together and we're gonna talk on wednesday and decide exactly what we want to do without snow this sometimes this unit yeah. right here without snow that's tough yeah and yeah. so going Has over it been into, warm Oh yeah, shoot! It was almost sixty yesterday. It's so. unbelievable. It's such a bipolar 
fall winter. It's it, bizarre. It, what is the the forecast for this winter? Is it is it a pretty dry winter, Mister Weatherman? No, we're in no. a El Nino, and it's a pretty. They're pretty confident. They're they're like hundred percent saying hundred percent El Nino, which it's kind of bearing out. So that means warmer and wetter. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. Warmer and wetter. So it's so. just great, great travel over the pass weather. Yeah, I don't know. Thick, it's fluffy, thick, fluffy, nasty snow. Well, we'll see. You know how it goes. It, it, it might not even snow on the passes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's Good. it like the today. It dropped down to when I left the house. It was twenty nine. You know, it, it's starting to drop down to that uh, thirty degree in the morning. 45 degrees during the day we we really need it to cool off a little bit more because we've got our annual walleye jig fest coming up well we should have done it already well uh, yeah we didn't uh, didn't say that the water cooled off enough it hasn't cooled off enough Uh -uh. yeah god i it's got to get down to to at least 50 or below and he said it hadn't cooled down enough if it weather holds and it doesn't blow a gale again yeah i'll maybe check this weekend before deer season starts i think i might go deer hunting this weekend you have a tag well they've got that late hunt up in the northeast well i mean i'm just gonna go oh you mean uh the whitetail go up and hunt whitetail yeah i'm gonna go up to jeff's property and oh wow kind of base out of there and and hunt for the weekend well there you go so he's feeding he is I, is fading. Oh, so you uh, you did go do a hunt with uh, your nephew Chewy. Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Chewy killed his second deer of his life. Yeah, yeah. A nice he, little buck. Yeah, he killed nice, nice little three point, and and uh, you know it was uh, one of those things. Good, made a great, uh, great shot at three hundred yards, and drug it down a ridge right to the back of the truck, threw it in the back of the truck, and went home nice <laughs> yeah he's start he's starting to think that this hunting thing is pretty easy oh let me let me tell both you something of his, both of his deer <laughs> yeah have been less than like a quarter mile from the truck and oh, all downhill boy. yeah oh, brother. yeah and and, and colton uh-huh. colton learned about what we used to do growing up when he had to pack half yeah. that animal <laughs> yeah. straight uphill well, in the shale gonna, i was gonna ask you did he use the new pack Oh, absolutely. He loved it. And that's good. Yeah, yeah he loves it. Absolutely. Good, good, good. So, so get this. Now, during elk season, the last the last day that we hunted, um, elk season this year was really tough because that snow yeah. pushed all the animals clear down to the river, yeah. down into the private properties. <laughs> and we stayed where we usually do. And we saw animals, but, but not in the realm of what we usually do. Yeah. Um, I had one spike. It was a it was a spike, and it had like a two inch prong on the other side, which made it illegal to shoot. Because you need a true spike. You got to shoot a true spike. But Colton, uh, the last day, I walked eight, little over eight miles, and Colton did a little over seventeen miles. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. And out in the brush, he took a picture. He he found an animal that somebody had shot. Probably it was either during archery or it had to have been during archery because the head was absolutely molded. The whole thing was molded. It was a spike, a true spike. Uh So he cut one of the horns off to bring it back and the thing reeked so bad that he, <laughs> that he finally dropped the horn and put it back on the ground and, and left it and, and he said he couldn't get the smell off his hand he was afraid to put it in his pack because he'd never get the smell out he said i'd have to throw the damn pack away he said so i just i dropped it and uh i got it i got a story to tell you about that i'll, I'll wait until after we visit with rick and then i'll i'll, yeah. I'll tell you my oh Ugh. make you gag story yeah, yeah. <laughs> it uh is probably a good time to bring rick on to talk about the first hunt foundation so we're going to get into that conversation and when we get back we will talk about richie's story Today I'm visiting with my friend Rick Brazel of the First Hunt Foundation. How are you today? 
Doing great, Richie. Just uh, enjoying this this time of year. Hunting season started, and man, I'm I'm excited. Yeah, you and me both. This is my favorite time of the year, of course. Spending a lot of time outside, enjoying this great fall, and all that hunting opportunities that we have available to us. Uh, today, we're going to talk about your foundation, the First Hunt Foundation. But before we do that, I thought it would be good for our viewers to know that actually you and I have known each other for a while. Can you let us let folks know how we uh, how we know each other? Oh yeah, I was uh, I worked for the Forest Service for 36 and a half years and. And I did some fire stuff, and you were actually uh, managing fires, and I think I worked for you on several fires. So uh, we yeah. ran into each other back in the day trying to protect the country from burning up. That's, that's right. It, you know, it's kind of funny. After you retire, I've been out of the agency for almost seven years, and uh, it's funny how you you tend to kind of forget those things. We get so busy with the other, other stuff going on in our lives. It's like, oh, yeah forgot about all that stress and pressure that we used to used to feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, 15, 16 hour days. Yeah, I remember those. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, since you've been retired, you've been busy. Why don't you tell folks about the First Hunt Foundation? I guess maybe the place to start is what is it and how did it get started? You betcha. Well, of course, after working for the Forest Service, I was a biolog- wildlife biologist for years and I've always had an interest in the outdoors and and I've always mentored youth and kids. And when I retired, I thought, what the heck am I going to do? And I thought, well, I'll start a, a nonprofit that would be helping those that would like to learn how to hunt but didn't have anybody in their family that hunted. And so I started it up and at my kitchen table. And, uh, of course, move, moving around with the Forest Service, people after a while said, well, hey, can I do it over here in this state? And I thought, well, sure. And I never really thought about it going national. It was just something I was going to do to keep me busy and my passion and um with all my friends in other places wanting to do it and i finally said well heck let's make this thing go national and it just took off <laughs> so so the whole purpose of the first hunt foundation as you came up with it at your kitchen table was to help not only kids but and but adults go on their first hunt correct well yeah it's uh it's really the first hunt experience I had seven youth on my private property in Washington shoot their first deer, and they come up to me years afterwards and say, hey, Mr. Brazel, we really appreciate that. We'll never forget that first time. And I thought right. to myself, what if, what if I could duplicate that feeling of that first experience you know, hundreds and thousands of times? And mm-hmm. so it started off with youth. We were just about youth. And then what happened is we started learning more about the R3 movement, which is recruit, you know, new hunters and retain the current hunters you have and re-engage hunters that have left the hunting, we thought, well, we've got to expand that. So we started programs that for for women and girls, mm-hmm. it's called Share Share the Heritage, uh, right. you know, with her capitalized. We started a veteran program so we could honor our first responders and veterans and getting them into hunting and teaching them to be mentors to help other people. And then we started a new program called Forgotten Rights. That's R-I-T-E-S, and that's to get underserved communities and, and people of color into hunting because there, there's a lot of data showing that they just don't get that opportunity, especially from some of the backgrounds they come in in the bigger cities. And So our, our goal is to save hunting. It's, it's part of our culture for forever. As you know, us old guys, we're going to tap out one of these days, <laughs> whether we want to or not, you know. And so right. we've got to get some new blood in. So, you know, 10 years from now, hunting's still a part of the American experience. No, absolutely. And, you know, that's been kind of focus of, of my television show, the Northwest Outdoorsman, for years. We focus on the hunting and fishing experience and doing that with family and friends because, really, that's what it's all about. Like you said, for me – it's a long history with my family. My family um, came out on the Oregon Trail out west. Obviously, they hunted to to find food, you know, as they were making those things. But it became just a way of life, and that's something that we've continued and I've continued, and we've we wanted to to pass that on and show people that they can still do it. And so, your foundation is uh really interesting to me because I feel like it 
it does exactly what we set out to do. No, that's that's exactly right. And you know, it might be interesting. I wasn't from a hunting family. My my father, I can remember maybe a couple of times that he went hunting, and he only did it when my uncle showed up. And I was mm. probably five years old, and I wanted to go so bad. I remember crying because they wouldn't take me because I was too little. And so eventually, my best friend and I, when we were about in the eighth grade, we said we're going to learn how to hunt. So we started. And this is, you know, back before YouTube, and there was no no way to learn this unless you had somebody to teach you. So we learned on our own from, you know, outdoor life and film stream and talking to anybody that would listen to us. And so we learned, and we made a lot of mistakes. And so I partly want other people not to have to go through that, you know, having to seek, seek out somebody. We want to be there for them so they don't have a struggle in their journey of hunting. Yeah, you know, there seems to be a real resurgence, I guess I would say, and people wanting to fend for themselves. You know, uh, I believe that it's even more so after the COVID years. People realize that being more self-sufficient is a is a good thing, and it was something like you said that was part of our country from the very beginning: self-sufficiency and taking care of yourself. And so, I I think that um, what you're doing is just right. Right on the mark, right down the alley. How long have have you been around? Well, we started right after I retired in 2015. And like I mentioned to you earlier, I started at the kitchen table. Just thought, well, I'll start this thing. And got a few local folks, and we started growing and, and getting people in other states. And now we're actually operational in 47 states. We've Ooh. got 1,000 thousand, and 110 volunteer mentors and literally getting new people signing up every day mm. uh, and so we're our expectation is we will have thousands of volunteers eventually helping us with our mission of keeping our hunting heritage alive so we're just starting i mean we're growing but um it's, it's just getting going i think when i talked to you oh gosh i think two years ago at the sportsman show in redmond oregon you were only at about 30 something so you've really expanded even since i talked to you last yeah we've got a lot of things that are giving us exposure which kind of helps uh we're fixing to release a, a course that's an online course it's no cost to anyone and uh spent about 120,000 getting it developed from a grant from the nra hunter leadership forum called the abcs of outdoor mentoring and it's going to be our gift, our gift to the outdoor world to like, hey, you want to be a mentor? Here's some of the do's and don'ts. Here's some resources you can print off. You know, here's some ways to think about getting your, uh, introducing yourself to, to mentee and how to work with them. So it's just going to be a, a great a little over an hour online course that you can take and be a better mentor or just learn to be a mentor. And when that happens, all 50 states are going to know about the foundation, and we expect we'll probably get a lot more folks interested. Well, I would imagine. So let's talk about mentors a little bit. Of course, that's the backbone of of your organization is uh, folks sharing their knowledge with those who want to receive it, particularly young kids. So you said you have uh, basically over a 1,000 mentors. What are the requirements uh, to be a mentor? And um you know, how do you recruit them? Well, the requirements are having having an interest and a passion in helping and passing on our hunting heritage. And since we're a national organization, we we do background checks. Right now, that's about all we can do is a, a strong background check on folks to make sure we don't have you know felons or people that sure. are ill report out there working with kids and other people. And then once they do that, we send them information that, that kind of get them going we're working on uh this training of course that will be out there and we're going to expect all of our mentors to go through that course and uh, once they once they are ready to go we support them we're, we're just there to support them then we get chapters going and as the chapters get going you get 10 or 15 people that host events can use our nonprofit status to host those events and get all kinds of stuff going we we recruit through uh you know of course Facebook and all the social media, but we go to outdoor shows. We're we're big. That's where you and I talk. And yeah. We we interact with literally thousands of hunters as they walk by and talk to them about you know giving something back. Give a little bit of your time back for the hunting heritage to continue on. And we recruit 
quite a few at a show. So that's some of the recruiting we do. Oh, cool. That's great. And I'm I'm sure that just by doing podcasts like this or other media that you're doing that uh, people come forward and say, hey, I want to be part of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do quite a few of those, and some of our national leaders are, are doing those. We have state directors. Even though we're in 47 states, we've only got seven state directors because we're a total volunteer organization, including mm-hmm. me. I don't I don't get paid for this. I haven't received a penny. Uh, so we're all volunteers. And so when you're asking somebody to do a, a big task of you know, working at a state level, and I mean, we can we can pay their travel and all that, but we don't have the funds to pay salaries. So so we're always looking for leaders. So if there's anybody out there looking to be a chapter president maybe a state director, we're we're more than willing to talk to them and, and get them all going in, in another state. We'll we'll uh, talk about that a little bit more here in a minute, but I want to ask you about your programs. You mentioned your programs. I was looking at those on your website. I wanted to know a little bit more about those and how they came about because I can see where it makes logical sense that you might want to sort of break your effort into components, you know, youth and veterans and women so how did how did those programs kind of come about was it just a natural outcome of of what you were doing or did you sit down with someone and and come up with a a plan like that well the veteran program was always in my mind that's always been a big proponent of supporting our veterans and first responders and and i actually rich Cotty, the guy that runs that called me one day and just wanting to start his own foundation and he, you know, it's a lot of work if, if you've ever mm-hmm. done a nonprofit trying to get it going. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, won't you just uh, come run the program I've been thinking about? And he did, and he's just taken off with it and going strong. The other programs, we're a big part of the R3 movement. There's an R3 symposium. All the states in the United States are just about uh, there participating. There's a concern that our hunting heritage is going to go away in some states within 10 years because of lack of uh, license sales and that sort of thing. And that's where they talked about a lot. The women as a fast and growing component of hunters. And mm-hmm. so we thought, well, we we need to focus on that a little bit more. In fact, we just got yeah. a grant for, for 2024. We're going to do 20 women mentoring events in 15 states and with five Native American tribes. So we're oh. going to be pretty busy this next year doing women events. Oh, wow. That's really good. I have a friend... <laughs> here locally in central Washington who has, uh, he's been on this podcast, uh, Tony Warren. He has a, a foundation called Operation Catching Freedom. And his his goal was to get uh, veterans and first responders out on the water uh, to experience some fishing, whether they have gone before or not, but just to, you know, give them something to do that's in a calm environment and kind of let them forget about some of that stuff. And it's, uh, I've been talking to Tony and he, <laughs> He told me just how much work it is, what he's doing, and he's also expanding to getting women veterans involved. So I, I can really see how it's, uh, it just sort of snowballs, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I, our veteran program's a little different in the sense that we're our goal is to get the veterans to become mentors. So mm-hmm. if, you haven't, if you haven't hunted before, then let's teach you to hunt. But let's keep the goal that we want you to become a mentor so these young people look up to you as a hero. That's the connecting heroes and hunters part. That's why we want uh, veterans to be mentors versus just giving a veteran an experience, which is a good thing. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. bad at all. But our goal is a, it's a little more, I guess, ambitious. We want them to become a mentor and give – a lot of them lose their sense when they come back. Like our, our guy talks about to have a mission in the military, and when they – come back they're kind of lost a lot of times like what's my next mission in life well we'd like yes. one of those missions to be giving back in the hunting community oh yeah and i read that on your on your website <clears throat> and that's a great way i think to get veterans involved because gosh i mean there's so many people out there that have a lot of experience that uh oh yeah like you know they have a lot to give so that's a that's awesome so we've talked about a lot of things i think as we kind of wrap up here we should talk about how folks can get involved so the way i see it is you have people could donate to your cause uh, if they're a business they could be, become a sponsor of course they could volunteer and obviously become a mentor so 
Talk to me about those things and how folks go about helping out your organization. Well, our mentorship courses are bread and butter. That's the, that's the main thing we want to do is to recruit mentors and uh, get more people into hunting. So you could go on our website, you know, firstfoundation.org, and, and sign up as a mentor. We'll do a background check, then get you going. And then the other thing, we have a volunteer program now. So some folks are like, well, I, I, I don't hunt necessarily, or I don't really want to take people out hunting, but I'm sure willing to volunteer. And I mean, since we're a volunteer organization, it could be anything from helping us fundraise and do banquets to helping us manage the books. I mean, A to Z, if you're a volunteer and have some skills, we might can use you. So mm-hmm. That's another one that we do. Of course, fundraising, you mentioned that. That's With the nonprofit, that's tough. Even though we have no paid staff, uh, we have liability insurance, which is a big expense. You know, you're looking at you know $20,000 a year or more for that. And then you've got all the travel to shows and stuff like that. So fundraising is corporate sponsors. We've got the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation has sponsored us since uh, about four or five years. And they give us a lot of money, the NRA Hunter Leadership Forum. There's some big organizations that have, have stepped forward and helped us and supported us. But uh, regular donations are, are awesome. We have a hunting heritage endowment even at the Midway USA, which if people put in for that, it gets matched. So, you're, you know, $50 turns into 100 so that, that helps a lot too. So, you, I mean, essentially you'd accept any donation from an organization. It doesn't have to be big like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. I'm really glad to hear that some of those that I'm members of are NRA, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, for example, are supporting. That's that's wonderful to hear. Yeah, the, the small donations, we get a lot of those. I mean, from on the website, people donating $35, and sometimes in memory of someone that's passed, which is kind of cool, and we're thinking about doing something that will start honoring those folks a little bit more than just getting a one-time donation. You know, putting something something out there to, that's more permanent to let folks know that this person was a mentor of other people and now they, they've passed on, that sort of thing. Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Well, Rick, we've been talking for almost 20 minutes, and I want to be respectful of your time. So I think what we'll do is just end at this point, and I want to reiterate. So it's the firsthuntfoundation.org, which you can find on the website. They have a very nice web page. It's easy to follow. You can read about the foundation, uh, Rick's little write-up about why and and how it got started, the various programs that they have. And then, of course, the main thing would be is if you have an interest in mentoring and or volunteering, that is your avenue to get hooked up with the First Hunt Foundation. We really appreciate it, Rick. Rick, I um, I'm glad to visit with you again, and I think the work you're doing is wonderful. Well, thanks, Rusty. It's been great catching up with you, and we'll see you at the next show for sure. Absolutely. I'll come find you. Okay. Sounds good. We'll do lunch. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Bye. Welcome back. That was Rick Brazel with the First Hunt Foundation. Another fantastic interview by the Richie Harrod. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's uh, not about me. It's about our guests. And, and he did a great job explaining what the foundation is like. And I think what they're doing is s- super. I mean, trying to get people involved in the hunting organization, you know, in the hunting uh, community is what we need. And so, so uh, one thing that Rick and I since then have been talking about is the potential to do a little giveaway and have a show of the Northwest Outdoorsman filmed this coming fall. So there's more work to be done on that. We haven't announced it. We're not there yet. But the thing that we were thinking is maybe you'd send in a little video and tell us why you think you would be a good fit for you know a first hunt. And it'll probably be an elk hunt. That's what we're working on right now. Oh, not game a, over. Not I'm 100% hunt. submitting a video for that. You? you, What? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> he doesn't qualify, does he? How do I not qualify? <laughs> I haven't, I've, 
I've only been on hunts with you guys. That's not hunting. <laughs> That's not. A, have you you have you been elk hunting before? They're literally just naked. Uh, yeah. The well, I've been to elk camp, and then I went archery elk like on a scenic walk for three days. But did you carry a bow? No, and he hunt? didn't hunt. No. I don't know. I'm submitting a video. Regardless, I'm submitting a video, and <laughs> I think I should get a, as much of a shot as everyone else. <laughs> well, you will. You submit a video. We'll, we'll have some rules. If you've never elk hunted, then you guess you qualify. That's the way I see yeah, it. Yeah, I can. Oh, yeah. There's no evidence that I've got elk hunting. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a fact yeah yeah so that's but, what, uh, yeah that's, that's we're on, planning on a real note it's a very cool foundation and i think it'll be a really fun thing and and you know to kind of feature someone who is getting into hunting i think it'll be awesome make a great story so we're looking forward to that there'll be more about this probably coming out in the winter or spring so stay tuned you know, it's, it's a, it, the thing is, is, uh, you know, with what we have going on today, we obviously won't get into politics right now, but maybe I will, um, you know, it, <laughs> having, having programs like this, you, you know, is very, very important. It, it's something that, uh, something that, that we need in order to help perpetuate, you know, let's face it, hunter, hunters are stewards of the forest Absolutely. and, what what we do is a vital a vital program. Absolutely, it, it really is, and people just don't understand that. And we've got to we've got to tell more people about it. Yeah, and exactly. So, and, I th- and I think that's really what Rick is doing. He's doing a great sure. job getting the word out about the values, the important values of, yeah. of hunting and the experiences and the way of life. And you know me, that's my that's my thing for us. For us, the three of us, and many like us, and those of you probably listening, this hunting's not a sport; it's a way of life. It's our tradition. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and so, there are a lot of people out there that grew up in a family where it wasn't, but they want they want it to be. Yeah. And so they need mentors, and that's what the first hunt foundation is about: is having mentors out there that will get people involved in hunting and understand what it is you would not be a great mentor yeah that's why i need to be involved because i have zero mentors he's 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 got a smirk over here i'm looking at him smirking i'm like look dude you would not be a good mentor you brought up the fact that you know people don't grow up in hunting and all i can think about is that meme of of the dad sitting in the chair reading a paper with a cup of coffee and the little girl and the little boy down there and the little girl's dad can you take us hunting and and the the dad says no, honey, we we don't hunt. We don't kill animals. And the little boy says, "You know, you suck. Take us to the orphanage." <laughs> <laughs> no, that's perfect. No, oh, man. No, I'm just I'm giving Bobby a hard time, but <laughs> yeah, I think it's I think it's a really great thing that he's doing. He's so busy. As you heard at the end of that interview, there's ways to get involved, either to become a mentor or donate or volunteer your time and so i encourage you if you think that's something you might want to do do it go check them out and get in, get involved you know the the thing is is people people utilize activities you know as getaways as you know i i've been in the the fishing industry the recreational fishing industry now for almost 42 years and hunting is my is my getaway it, it is it is my thing my time right. my you know exactly and it because it is a way of life it's something that i've done and you know taking taking people out with you and and uh teaching somebody something new you know it, it, there's nothing more rewarding than, than teaching somebody to do something letting letting the boys shoot their first deer say, or, you, or their first tenth deer you, you are know? you are being a mentor well to your, uh, yeah absolutely to your nephew absolutely and that's the way i mean, it I, mean be. I, I could have filled my deer tag no problem but i i want i want those guys to experiencing yeah. all of those different experiences right. and that that's how you learn that's how we gain the knowledge that we gain right. and Every every day is a learning experience out there. Yeah. So and there's a lot of people out there that don't have a you and a me that yeah, can mentor yeah. kids. Sure. Our kids, our our nephews, whatever it is, yeah. our nieces. It's just uh there's a lot of people the out there. In this room. Huh? 
I'm just kidding. What's that? Yeah, don't even go there. Don't what? even go there. <laughs> what that that's not even funny. I missed it. He he said oh, big egos in this room. Oh <laughs> God. Okay, now no, there's more editing. Very... Now there's more editing. Bob. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> Bobby knows a lot about how to snag fish, and you know a lot about the weather. <laughs> So you're saying oh. we're not the best mentors. Oh, is that what you're how, to, how to snag fish. You should have seen him the other day when we, oh, when we were fishing over on the Snohomish. Holy. That was such bad editing. I, I, <laughs> listen, I knew this was going to come up. <laughs> oh, my I have, God. I haven't watched it yet, and I can't wait to watch oh, it. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, every time you look over, it Britain, Bobby Britain looks just like missed a fish. the best angler in the world. <laughs> Is uh is and it all they do is all they do is all Justin does is show like the two times okay. that I missed a bite. Two yeah. times, I'm pretty sure there was like four. <laughs> no, one of them was a snag. Yeah, yeah, one was a snag. Two, two were and two were get, whiffs. They did show two. They I both of my coho were caught on camera, and then at the end of one of the commercial breaks, I go two to two. <laughs> so so. <laughs> So I get a phone call this morning from Jeff. Jeff goes, hey, I watched that show last night. And he's just cracking up laughing. He goes, I absolutely loved it when when you guys started talking about, about uh, hey, Britain, is, is this the first time you've ever done this? And Britain says, 90% of this fishing that we do is the first time I've ever done it. <laughs> but I'll figure it out by the end of it. And I yeah. did. Yeah. Oh god! And, and then the and then he goes, but the best part was, you guys were fishing and and uh, Justin had the camera on on you on the side, and oh god! And Brit and Britain missed a fish, or or no, Britain Britain had his rod. I got hung up. Well, no, that wasn't when you got hung up. It was he's drifting, and I'm looking out of the corner of my eye. I said, Britain, that oh. was a bite. And, and he it looks wasn't. over. I remember that. <laughs> I vividly remember that. That wasn't a bite. And then I landed a fish immediately after that. I think it's still in the same shot. Well, yeah, it was. Dump a little bit, a little bit of line. They'll follow. <laughs> oh, you man. had a good one, though, where, where you missed a bite and then oh. you stayed with it and then hooked it all in one shot. Oh, God. My arm hurt he so also, bad. <laughs> who are you, the well, tennis he also, album? In the, in the video, he complains about oh. his shoulder. My my He's shoulder like, oh. and I and I had that that uh, that tennis elbow yeah. thing going on and I'm telling you I had one of those bites you know it wasn't it wasn't just a thing you know yeah. you could feel them pick it up it was one of these I mean just and I jerk and I and I just came solid with it and I damn near dropped the rod oh god my arm hurts so damn bad and the fish came off and I dumped a little bit of line and he came back and then you had to you set the hook again I set the hook again. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, I remember he was. I think he was complaining about that in the last podcast and how bad his elbow and shoulder hurt. Well, he's going under the knife soon. So when is that? No more complaining. Uh, next week. What I, really? I actually actually uh, canceled it. Oh, <laughs> canceled it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, here's the thing. You go in for pre-op for uh, like three weeks early. I couldn't get a second opinion in the time frame prior to the surgery i've gone three months without my my shoulder hurting at all literally mm -hmm. no problems at all i i'm able to, i have range of movement everything yeah. has been feeling pretty good halfway through through deer season i had my pre-op and i finally told the guy i said i gotta tell you i, I know shoulder surgery is one of the worst surgeries oh, terrible on the body that Trust you can me. have for rehab I know. And I know enough about it. I know enough people that have had it that, that I just finally told him, I said, I got to tell you, my, my shoulder feels good. You said it's not going to heal itself, but I have had zero problems in three months. And I think that we need to cancel the surgery. The guy turned around, picked up his stuff, and just walked out of the room. Really? That's it. It was done. And there so, goes 20 grand. Unfortunately, during elk season, with my pack it might be a little on the heavy side and putting a, a gun on your shoulder obviously a lot of hiking and picking things up reaching in the back seat for your for mm, your uh, don't, don't do that oh god my arm's been killing me the for the last week and reaching <laughs> reaching over the side of the pickup and pulling things out reaching behind you try to avoid those oh trust me Re reaching in the back seat to grab the spotting scope yeah, not a good idea it's bad 
it's not good. I mean, maybe you have bursitis, you know. Did you try a, a cortisone shot? I, the cortisone shot, I think, is what really, really helped. And But, like, I, I asked him, I said, you know, what about doing another cortisone shot and letting it. things heal? And he said, does it hurt? I said, no, it doesn't. He said, there's no reason to have a cortisone shot. Well, you do another cortisone shot, and, and my understanding is that that begins to break down tissue in your shoulder. They, they don't yes. like to do it more than one time, especially in close. Well, gen- generally three times. They won't do. They won't yeah, do anything but, more than three times. Yeah, my orthopedic surgeon said he just one time, and then after that, he won't really do it for like a year because mm-hmm. it's just well, too it's hard been, on it's your been tissue. Over, it's been over like a year and a half since I've had my my last. Yeah, and shot. so he would so. probably do it again, and yeah. that's what happened with. I've had surgery on my left. I was really having problems with the right, and I figured it's all the same problem. Yeah. I had him, I said, what do you think? Let's try a cortisone shot. And he goes, I really like that idea. He goes, before we go right to surgery, and I haven't had problems since. Yeah. But I kind of manage it by not doing what you're talking about. Oh, my God. I'm telling don't, you what. Don't I, reach wrong. Don't do that. Uh, Otherwise. I, I, everything was going yeah. great, you know, and I canceled the surgery. Everything was going great until elk season and, and i'm telling you what man reaching behind the seat grabbing the spotting yeah. scope you know d- doing things the pack on your shoulder yep. and put it on there and and pretty soon you're going oh man yeah that was my but, issue i was worried i wouldn't be able to draw my bow back but, yeah yeah because it was my right shoulder yes yeah. you know, left i've got fixed and then promptly three months later four months later i fell on it Oh God! Well, see, that's and part, it's never been quite right. So that's part of was that when you took the? Was that when Santa took the tumble? No, no, <laughs> no, no. It was. Oh, you, you. Uh, have you got back on a ladder since? You, it's ladder season for you. No, yeah. I don't get on ladders. You know what? No more ladders. <laughs> no they, more ladders. They, they make young kids. Good thing it's not going to be a cold winter. <laughs> oh, no, man. no. It was. Uh, we were elk hunting in Idaho, and. We were in the dark and we're going through sagebrush. Yeah. And of course, what did I do? I hooked my foot under a under a sagebrush yeah. and I fell and I had my bow in my right hand. And when I fell, you know, you do your normal thing. Oh, yeah. And Tuck I, and roll. I and, yeah. put my elbow out and landed all my weight right on that elbow, straight up onto my shoulder. Ugh. And and I was like, and I think it was like four or five months after my surgery. And Ronnie heard me fall and he turned around, and, you're all right. And I'm like, I don't know yet. <laughs> roll around the ground, and I'm stretching my arm out. I'm like, that couldn't be good. Yeah. And uh, I'm like, let's just go. And we just kept going because we had to hike all the way to the top to this damn mountain. We did like 15 miles that day. But pretty soon it was better, and it was like, okay, it's going to be fine. And ever since then, it's it's always been a little hinky. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> So it's probably a good thing. My well, problem... I- my problem with my shoulder is anytime I'm near water, I like start twitching because I can't help myself from trying to skip a rock. And I, you know, you do the, the yeah. extreme underhand yeah. right hand throw to like skip a rock. Oh, yeah. And then I'm like, you know, set myself back three months every single time. And every single time it's like, it's not going to hurt this one time. And then you get like a four skipper and it's like, ah, I can do better. Yeah. And uh, do it. so that's, that's my issue. I know. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I had an issue and I, and, how how he sits there and he's filming me at the time I get bit. I mean, I go, and I literally drop, almost dropped the rod, grabbed it by the reel again. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, reel down again, missed it. The fish came back. Oh, long as I can fish and hunt, I'm okay. I'll yep. deal with the pain. Yep. Yeah. So that was Doctor Hour with the We Are Doors of Podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we do need to get. We do need to get back to to Richie's stinky story he was about to tell. Oh yeah, break. we do have to tell that. So and then we'll then we'll go into news and notes. Okay, so here's the story. We're in Texas and bow hunting. Ooh, hot, humid. Yeah, it's oh. warm. We're we're there in the <laughs> fall, but it's still hot, and we can shoot five white-tailed deer each. <laughs> you can shoot. You can shoot two bucks and three does are all does, you know. So yeah, each time I've been there, we've shot ten deer, bow and arrow. <laughs> it's been freaking awesome. <laughs> and uh, I shot, I shot this uh, on the last day. I was holding out for a buck, and I got one. He was a little spike. <laughs> That's all I got. And so we threw. We had this uh, bone pile. We were throwing stuff in. So we, you know, we quarter 
everything. No mm. gut method. That's how we've always done it. Mm. Cleaned the deer up real good. Drug it to the to the pile. And then we were there for a few more days. And my brother's like, you should have saved them little antlers. You're going to be sorry. And I'm like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> he says, you should go back and get them. I'm like, well, it's been a couple days. It's all right. Just go get them. So I go down to the old gut pile, to the bone pile, and to cut these antlers off like yeah. four days later or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> I just kind of held my breath and went in there, and I cut the hide back and pulled that thing off and got out of there, kind of cleaned it up as best I could, had my rubber gloves on. And you think you could get the smell out of that bone, the skull plate? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And so I wrapped it up, put it in one of the coolers that we had all the meat that we flew back with. Oh, no. And then I got home, <laughs> and I was showing my wife, because I was like, check this little thing out. And it just stunk to high hell. I set it out on the wood pile out here in the back. Yeah. All summer long. Oh, jeez. Until the smell went away. <laughs> Bleached it in the sun. I mean, it took the whole summer. Yeah. That's how foul it was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, you get that. That, that was that, so that bad. Heat and humidity. Oh, oh my God, God. It's the worst thing you can get. Oh, there were so many maggots in that bone pile. Oh, oh. yeah. Bad. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, let's jump into news and notes. <laughs> so, Richie, remember when we went and fished the Clearwater? Yes. Uh, for Steelhead? Oh, yes. Yeah, that and was great. We caught that gorgeous, that big, gorgeous, chrome bright. Coho? Yes. So last month, the Idaho record Clearwater or Coho was caught on the Clearwater River and it was 11, 7, 11 pounds, 7.8 ounces. And it was 32 inches long. Nice. Fish. I don't think ours was too far off from that. No, fish. actually, no, I would say no. Ours was and uh, well, didn't anyway, we weigh that's it? That's the record. It broke it by 0.48 ounces. We had a really nice. We have that on video and pictures of it. It's a really nice fish. And if you look at the picture of this Clearwater coho that now has the Idaho record, I mean, we had to have been close. You know, I should go back to the video because I'm almost sure we weighed it on the boat. I, yeah, that thing was gorgeous. Yeah, not even a mark on it. It's hard and to this believe is like it. Like late November. Yeah, it's hard to believe that thing was that far up river. It looked like it came out of the salt. Well, it you was know, there's there's still there's still fish going over over Bonneville. Not a lot right now, but up till last week, hell, there was 150 silvers going over the wow. Bonneville still a day. Wow. And uh, so you know, you get all of the tributaries, the the click, uh, yeah, all that stuff going into the Snake River system. They must just zoom. Well, and you look up here, if, I, trying to remember exactly what it was, but we've got like uh, at least 9,000 plus silvers up here oh, in the wow. icicle. Oh, wow. Yeah. That haven't gone over Rocky Reach. So, wow. I mean, that's a pile of fish. That's a lot of fish. So, hmm. yeah, it, it, the, the silver fishery has been very, very good this year. And, it, and it's still going, you know, you sh I'm telling you, you should be getting a hold of J.B., and and going fishing, Britain. I mean, there's. I know they're still catching silvers, and I know they're still catching some chinooks. So, I know I should. I should go fishing. You should. That's all I have for news and notes. Well, that's pretty good news. That was the coolest. That was the coolest thing that's happened in the last week. Well, I'm gonna go look at the video when we're done with this and see. <laughs> Perfect. I mean, yeah. I, the I'll send you the picture. It. I mean. We got to be close, but I bet we were. We had, <laughs> I mean, we were close to catching the state record steelhead too. So, oh no, <laughs> no, you weren't. <laughs> John, Bobby's just jealous. John, I, I am jealous because I've never actually landed a true twenty-pound steelhead ever, and I've caught a lot of steelhead, well, like a lot. That one John Cruz put in a boat was twenty pounds. That was not twenty pounds. I looked at those fish; those are not twenty. Oh bullshit! No, not even close. You were, they were they were you, you were maybe there. seventeen were right. to eighteen you pounds. There. I saw all the pictures of the fish. I you watched the whole there. video. 
That was a 20 pound fish. I've caught a lot of, of Wide was 25 pound pounds. Yeah. <laughs> we need we need to go fish the Quinault this this late winter, early spring. That's what fun. we need to do. That'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah, we need to do that. We'll give Letty a call. We've and covered, go we've covered a lot of ground on this podcast. We have. It's time to it's time to go fill up the special coffee. It, it is, is mine's I'm empty. getting low. It's time. So, yep. Thank you everyone for uh you know battling through Doctor Hour and uh Thank you to Rick for coming on and talking about something actually important. And uh, we are going to go fill up our coffee and likely record another podcast for your listening pleasure. And until next week, we will talk to you later.